Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. If you'll open up your Bibles to John chapter 5 and verse number 1. Brother Weiniger, when you got up here and said you didn't want to preach, brother, I'd have been fine if you did. I'll tell you, I was just, go ahead. He was on point. We love Brother Weininger, amen. John chapter 5 and verse 1 says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up into Jerusalem. Now there at Jerusalem by the sheep market was a pool. Everybody say a pool. Which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Everybody say Bethesda. If you'll put down your Bibles, let's just worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords and let Him have His way in this service tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for what You're doing, what You've already done, and what You're going to do in this service tonight. God, I pray that we would just fulfill Your will. Lord, we want only what You want in this service tonight. And we give You all the glory, all the honor, in Your mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach on this topic tonight, when the man comes around. When the man comes around. I was so thankful and I'm excited where God is positioning this church in the move that He's getting us ready for. How many were thankful for that service this morning? How many were thankful for the move of God? I'll tell you, I was. And if it's all right. With each and every one of you, I'd like to just hitch this service to what God was doing this morning. I'd like to just hitch on to the move and let it continue on. Are you willing to let God just continue with the move tonight? We read in John 5 and 1 that he says, After this there was a feast of the Jews. And I believe that there was a reason why the prophet wrote that when he said, After this. Because in the book of John, it wasn't just an ending on chapter 4 and a start point at chapter 5. But in fact, chapter 4 was a continuation into chapter 5. So when John writes, after this, he is pertaining to what just happened in chapter 4. So where chapter 4 ended, chapter 5 picks right up from that point. The story that we're about to dive into tonight happens immediately After Jesus has healed the son of the official. John chapter 4 and verse 47 then says, When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea unto Galilee. This is speaking of the official. He went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. 
The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went on his way. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to take you for what you're going to say. You say my son's going to live, I'll believe you. Then after this event took place, the official would then go back to his house. He would go back to his house where the boy who was on his deathbed would lay. And when the father entered into the room, he saw his son. And he wasn't looking like he was going to die anymore. He looked like a different circumstance now. And he thought he would just be on this side of death. And when he saw that he had been healed, so he then asked the people that were surrounding them. Perhaps it was the family. Perhaps it was his servants. Perhaps it was his co-workers. It doesn't matter. The Bible didn't tell us that. But he goes to those around him and he said, at what time was my son healed? And they answer with this in verse 52 of John chapter 4. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour. Everybody say the same hour. It was the same hour in which Jesus had said unto him, Thy son liveth and himself believed and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he come out of Judea unto Galilee. So you may ask, well, what does that have to do with what we are going to talk about? What does the encounter with the woman at the well that happened at the beginning of chapter 4? And what does the healing of the son of the official have to do with what's going on at the pool of Bethesda? Well, if you will allow, like, much like John chapter 5 I said it before, I want to connect. I want there to be a continuation of the move of God that's already in MPC. I'm believing that MPC was at chapter 4. But I believe if you will allow, there will be a continuation into the next chapter. If you will allow it, God's going to move into another chapter. Into another revelation. Into a new level. Do you believe that with me, MPC, today? Yes, God moved so mightily in this morning service. God met us in this very sanctuary. God gave some direction to someone this morning. God came down to this room and healed somebody this morning. Someone came to church this morning mourning over something that you thought was dead. Perhaps it was a promise that you thought was dead. Perhaps it was a prophetic word that had been given to you that you thought was dead. A purpose that you thought was on the brink of death. But after the Lord moved like He did... You went back into your situation this afternoon. You went back to your home and you saw that God had moved. You saw that surely the Lord has spoken. Surely Jesus is right at His word. I wonder, is there anyone in the house today that knows without a shadow of a doubt that God has moved in this church today? That He's moved before. That He's moved on my soul before. And I believe in that He will move again. 
But let me tell you, church, I'm not just satisfied with what God has done before. I don't know about you. I don't know how you feel on the matter. But as for me and my house, I am ready for an after this moment. I am ready for a what comes next moment. I am ready for a continuation moment. Come on. Is there anyone that says, I'm glad what he did before, but I'm ready for what he's going to do next. I'm glad he's healed before, but I'm ready for what's coming next. I'm glad for signs and wonders that came before, but I'm ready for what's coming next. John chapter 5 and verse 2 continues on and says, Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude. All sorts of people are there. But it is a great multitude of impotent folk, of the blind, of halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season unto the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. It's an interesting thing, the pool of Bethesda. Coming out of the unveiling and the healing that came forward in chapter 4, we come into the scene of the pool of Bethesda. Now, the pool of Bethesda was at a place that sick people went to. It was almost worse than a hospital. Because, you know, hospital, they're trying to make everybody better. At the pool, it was just a bunch of people sick until the water started moving. They laid there in their infirmity. They laid there in their sickness. The blind would lay there. The halt would lay there. A great multitude of impotent folk would be there. The halt, which means those who had no ability of movement. They couldn't move at all. Were there. And even those who were literally withering away would lay at the pool of Bethesda. These people would crowd around the pool because when the waters of the pool begin to erupt, those that surrounded it would flood into the water to see if they could be healed by the water. The pool of Bethesda was an intermittent pool that would have water released in surges from most likely underground reservoirs. That was how the water would begin to surge. That, and then this act of water would then raise a superstition if you will, that once the surge of water would begin, that if you walked into and submerged yourself into the water, that you would be made whole, that you would be healed of your diseases. Perhaps there were truly some kinds of healing that took place or else nobody would believe in the pool of Bethesda. So this was a place of healing. But there was something different about this day in John chapter 5. There was something different about this day at the pool of Bethesda. Because in John 5 and 5 it says, And there was a certain man that was there, which had an infirmity for 38 years. Everybody say 38 years. At the pool of Bethesda, there is what the Bible only refers to him as a certain man. We don't know his name. We don't know where he came from. We don't know who he was with. 
who his family was, what heritage it was. We just know him as a certain man who had an infirmity for 38 years. I've heard so many people say that they believe that he was 38 years old. That ain't right. It said his infirmity was going on for 38 years. I am under the assumption that he was older than that. Well, David, what's, what's important of his age? What does that have to do with the story? Well, if you allow me, I believe that it tells me perhaps there was a time where the man had the ability to walk. Perhaps there was a time he had the ability to move. There was an ability that he could dress himself, that he could feed himself. Maybe he had the ability to work a job. Perhaps he had a family to provide for. Perhaps he worked in his church. Perhaps he served faithfully. Perhaps he felt the power at one time that he no longer has. Perhaps at one time he felt freedom that he no longer has. Maybe he felt peace at one time that he no longer has. Maybe as his sickness began to increase that his family would be by his side. And day after day you would see the number of those supporting him would begin to walk away. Perhaps day after day for 38 years, his church family began to leave him. His family began to leave him. His friends began to leave him until he was all alone. But can you imagine, church, that as the years have gone by, you have started to become more alone day after day. Not only are you sick, not only are you uh, have an infirmity for 38 years not only are you paralyzed you can't hardly move but now everybody has left you and all you have left is a bunch of other sick folk at the pool of Bethesda as this illness this disease would begin to attack his body he would begin to start losing major functions perhaps he was on crutches for a while He started to feel the ability to walk, leave his body. Perhaps he felt the strength wither away from his body. Perhaps he felt those major motor skills begin to leave his body. You see, the Bible refers to him as a man with an infirmity in the King James. In the ESV, they call him invalid. Has anyone ever felt invalid before? Has anyone ever had infirmity in your life before? This was not just a disease... That you could still function with. Is someone here today fighting something that you feel like you just can't function with anymore? That maybe it's just crowding your every move. Maybe you've dealt with it for so long that things that were easy to you, you're beginning to lose the ability of. Maybe things that came so easy to you. Maybe sensations that you felt that were so easy to you begin to lose because of what you're dealing with. This was a disease that the man would completely be paralyzed. He could not even sit up fast enough that when the waters would erupt, he couldn't even crawl himself into the waters. He was all alone. But now, after 38 years, that's two years shy of four decades, that this man could not help himself. Two years shy of four decades, this man has laid at the pool of Bethesda all alone. People who are also sick are crawling over you. 
They're throwing you aside. They're pushing you aside. They don't care if you get healed. They're just worried about themselves. Your life is now this scene. You have become surrounded by infirmity. Your surroundings have become your lifestyle. You see, this certain man didn't just have a life outside of his sickness. His sickness had become his life. At this point, sickness isn't just a part of you. But now it is the only thing that people know you by. Now you're only known by what ails you. You're only known by what you're dealing with. You're only known by the shame that you deal with. You're only known by the fear that you deal with. You're only known by the depression that you deal with. You're only known by the addiction that you deal with. You're only known from a past that you just can't get away from. You're only known by the faults that you can't get away from. But I'm telling you tonight, church, I have come with a message to someone tonight. Yes, chapter 5 starts a little rough compared to chapter 4. Yes, this morning was an amazing move of God. But perhaps you went back to your house this afternoon and the enemy attacked you again. Perhaps he just came back at you in your face. Perhaps he reminded you of your faults. Perhaps he reminded you you're all alone. Perhaps he reminded you that you're defined by what ails you. But let me tell you that there is a chapter 5 and there is a moment when Jesus shows up. There is a moment when Jesus shows up at the pool of Bethesda and it changes everything. 38 years you've dealt with something, but at the moment that Jesus shows up, everything begins to change. Perhaps you've been dealing with it for so long. Perhaps they tell you that you will only be ever known as the lame man. But I'm here to remind you of a prophecy that was given to this church by Pastor Wilkes a few months ago. That there is a shifting in the spirit of this church. There is a shifting in the supernatural of this church. I believe it's a shifting from chapter 4 to chapter 5. I believe it's a shifting from a lame man at the pool of Bethesda to a man with an encounter with Jesus. John chapter 5 and verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time in that case. Look at this. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? This is what I believe God has wanted us to get to in this Sunday night service. Someone here tonight has come into this church dealing with a disease. It may not be a disease of the physical body, but maybe you've been dealing with a disease right here. Maybe you've been dealing with a disease right here or right here in your soul. Maybe you've been dealing with something for far too long and you're sick and tired of it. Maybe you have become known by your anxiety. Maybe you've become known by your depression. Maybe you've become known by your infirmity. But no matter what you come into the house with, there is a moment that Jesus has been looking for. Jesus is coming into his house right now. 
Is anybody feeling what I'm preaching today? Does anybody feel that there is a moment that Jesus is about to shift it? That there is a moment where Jesus is about to walk in? I'm asking, is there anybody in the house that has a little praise in their heart right now? Is there anybody with a shout at the edge of their tongue? I'm believing that God is going to do something in this night's service, but you just got to be ready for it. You just got to be willing for it. You just got to be sitting at the edge of your seat for it. You see, this is the moment that Jesus had been looking for. Jesus, in his divinity, walked past the multitudes. Jesus has all power and all authority. He could have healed the entire multitude of infirmity that laid at the pool of Bethesda. Why he went to the certain man, we will never know. Why he chose to heal him, we won't know. But God knows. The great physician knows. Why did he decide to pick me up? I'll never know. Why he decided to pick me up out of the miry clay? I'll never know. Why he decided to heal my body? I'll never know. Why did he decide to save my soul? I'll never know. But God knows, and that's all I need to know. God knows, and that's all I need to know. God knows why, and that's all I need to know. It is well with my soul. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter what those around me say. As long as God knows, and I know, that's all I need. At this moment... Jesus had yet to proclaim to the entire world who he was as the Messiah. He had only told his disciples and the woman at the well. But the great physician walks past the multitudes afflicted with disease and sickness. He walks past all those people and he came up to you. He walked past everybody else. He left the 99. And he went to the one that he knew needed it the most. Has anyone ever been glad to been the one? God, I've messed up. God, I've failed. But I am glad that I have been the one where Jesus came unto me. Sometimes you're just at a point where you can no longer do anything by yourself. And God has to come to you. And God has to come to you in your situation. But what surprised me was the question that Jesus asked the man. Will thou be made whole? Let's say that together. Will thou be made whole? He didn't ask the man, do you want to be healed? He didn't ask the man, do you want me to help you walk? He didn't ask the man, can I carry you into the waters? He didn't ask the man, can I put ointment on your head and pray for you? He didn't ask the man, can I get somebody to pray over you? Can I get your friends around to pray over you? He didn't ask, can I bring you to church so you can be healed? He didn't ask, can we have a prayer meeting over you so that we can pray over this sickness? He didn't ask, can we have a special prayer request in service? No, he just simply walked up to him and said, will you be made whole?
you see the waters of the pool of Bethesda may have had the ability to heal the body. But they didn't have the ability to make the body whole. If the disease, if you think of it like leprosy, if you're healed from leprosy, it stops. But when you're made whole, it restores every damage that the disease had done. So when Jesus walks up to the man and he says, Will thou be made whole? He's not saying, I can make you walk. He's not saying, I can make you have strength again. He's saying, I can restore everything that the disease took from you. I can restore everything that the enemy took from you. I can restore everything. Hey! Is there someone here tonight that says, I'm not satisfied with healed. I'm not satisfied with just delivered. I will be made whole. He didn't ask him if he wanted to be healed. He asked him if he wanted to be made whole. Here is something that you need to keep in your mind. We have all felt less sin. We have all felt inadequate. We have all felt invalid at one point or another. Why would God choose me to heal? Why would God choose me to deliver? Why would God choose me to wipe away my shame? But when Jesus walked up to the man... And he said, wilt thou be made whole? He didn't have to consult his past. He didn't have to say, well, does your past dictate your future? God doesn't have to ask your past permission to make you whole. God doesn't have to have the permission of man to do the miraculous. You see, the doctors would have told the man, no cure can heal your body. No man can heal your body. No cure can touch this ailment. But God didn't ask the doctors. God didn't ask the disease if it was alright. He asked the man, is it alright if you be made whole? God doesn't have to ask your past permission for Him to use you. God doesn't have to ask your past permission for Him to restore you. God doesn't have to ask your past permission to use you. Well, my family has dealt with this disease for generations. You don't understand, David. Diabetes just runs in my family. You don't understand arthritis is a generational thing. But David, my grandpa's grandpa dealt with addiction and pornography. Well, my my mama moms dealt with lust. And my my uncles, 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 they dealt with, with alcohol abuse. They've dealt with depression. Do you really think that God cares about your past? Do you think your past dictates how God moves? Do you think God looks at past generation and decides whether he will or he will not? No, 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 no. He might say, you might have had a rough past. You might have had a rough generation. You might have had a rough upbringing. But I can change the trajectory of where you're going to go next. Somebody lift up the name of Jesus right now. Somebody lift up his aim right now. (laughs) 
Do you really think that God cares about what your past says about you? Do you really think that God cares if your past says you shouldn't be here today? Do you really think that if the man dealt with his infirmity for 38 years, do you really think that 38 years of infirmity mattered anything to God? Do you think that the reason that he was all alone meant anything to God? No, 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 no. He just asked him and said, will you be made whole? God does not need to consult with your past to change the trajectory of your future. Somebody may be thinking, but Pastor David, you don't know what happened in my past. You don't know what I've dealt with. You don't know what demons I fight every day. You don't know what those around me have talked about me. You don't know what the doctor reports have said. You don't know how much time they've told me I've got. You don't know how bad this disease is that the doctors tell me I have. You don't know what kind of odds they have given me. Let me bring you some hope and strength to someone that needs it in the house tonight. Jesus didn't ask how long you've dealt with the disease. He asked the question, do you want to be made whole? He didn't ask, what did the doctors say? He didn't ask, what are my chances? He didn't ask, what are the odds? He just asked if you're ready to be made whole. But look at what the man responds to the unknown Savior. In John chapter 5 and verse number 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. The man responds to Jesus by saying, For 38 years I have laid at this pool. For 38 years I've laid in this bed, seeking for the troubled waters. Praying for the troubled waters. I have sought after the troubled waters. I have crawled after the troubled waters. And every time I get close, somebody moves me aside. Somebody steps over me. I tried to get in the water, but someone else beat me to the punch. Every time I tried to get healed of my disease, I just had to watch someone else get healed of their disease. Every time I sought to get over my addiction, I couldn't help but just look at everybody else that was getting over theirs. Every time I was dealing with shame, I could not get over it because I was too busy looking at everybody else who was getting over their shame. At the time I was dealing with my depression, I watched everybody else just receive the joy of the Lord. Every time I tried to get over my fear, I watched everybody else walk out in courage. Every time I try to get in the water, someone else pushes me aside and I'm still alone. And I'm by myself. Just me and my infirmities for 38 years. But then we see Jesus ask him if he wants to be made whole. And the man answers, Sir, I have no man. What is he saying? I have no one. You see, if I could step on my soapbox real quick. That's what's so dangerous about modern Christianity. Modern Christianity and modern religion have become so focused on the man. I'm not talking about the man. I'm talking about the man. On the preacher. We as the church have become so addicted to what I like to call Christian crack. 
we get on social media and we see a little clip of a message that makes us feel good. We get our little fix on clips on social media. And we think that's enough of Jesus to get us by throughout the week. Or that's enough of God to get us by to our next fix. That's enough. You know what? I'm just so excited because can't you believe so-and-so is going to come and preach the word? I'm so excited because so-and-so is going to preach the word. When did we ever say, I'm so excited because God's going to move? I'm so excited because Jesus is going to show up. I'm so excited because God's going to answer us. I'm tired about him hearing about the man, but I'm excited to start hearing more about Jesus. They have become so focused on men and women who cannot produce the breakthrough that we are seeking after. We are going after men and women who cannot produce a supernatural move that we are looking for. Jesus, I know you asked me if I wanted to be made whole. But I'm alone. I have no man, sir. I have no man, no woman, no body. I'm all alone. And because of that, I have not been healed. You see, he thought the fact that he was alone was the reason he had not been healed. Because if he could have had help to the pool, he knew he could have been healed. But the reality is... Jesus wanted the man to realize he didn't need just any man. Because if you had a man, you would have gotten in the water. If you would have had somebody, you would have been in the pool. For 38 years, if you had somebody, you would have missed a moment with Jesus. If you relied on man... You would have missed the supernatural moving if you relied on man. You would not have been in this situation for 38 years. If you had a man, you wouldn't have been here for me to meet you. So when Jesus comes up to the lame man and asks him the question, he responds with, I have no man. So the fact that the man says that he has no man was not just a statement of what he was going through at that moment. But it opened the door to a revelation that man cannot bring you what you need. Man could not supply the healing. Man alone cannot supply what it is that you're looking for. I'm come to tell somebody tonight what it is you're looking for. Man cannot give it to you. Whatever it is you need in this house, man cannot give it to you. I'm sorry, I love our pastor, but pastor does not redeem me. My pastor does not save me. My pastor does not heal me. I'm telling you, I don't care what you're dealing with. I'm here to tell you that man cannot supply it. But I've come to let somebody know here today. I know the man. I know the man. I know the man. Come on, somebody. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know the man. Somebody shout with a praise on the edge of your tongue. Say, I know the man. Say, I know, I know the man. Man may have left you stranded. Man may have left you long ago. Man may have offended you. Man may have attacked you. But let me tell you of a man that has never left me, nor has he ever forsaken me. 
I know a man and his name is Jesus. You see, the pool of Bethesda had five porches that John tells us about. And a lot of people try to determine what that represents. Some say that the five porches represent grace. That five is the letter of grace and that the certain man wanted to be at the pool of grace. Some people believe that the five porches represents the five letter in the name of Jesus. Some people believe it's to represent the dove of peace. But I love what Bishop Walls writes in his commentary on the pool of Bethesda. And I quote, The man stands for the people of Israel. The five porches stand for the five books of the law. Everybody say the law. In the porches the people lay ill. The law could show a man his sin, but could never heal man of it. The law could uncover a man's weakness, but never cure him of it. The law, like the porches, sheltered the sick soul, but could never heal it. We as the church have gotten so used to using this book to judge others. To point faults out in others. We use the law to point out the sickness. To point out the healed. But when Jesus shows up, he tells you, I can use the law, but I've come to heal. I know the law can point out your sickness, and I use the law, but I alone can heal you. Yes, do not under, misunderstand me. Yes, we need the law. Because without the law, we only have lawlessness. Man can uphold the law. But there comes a time where the law cannot do what the law was not intended to do. The law cannot do what Jesus was made to do. So I've come to ask someone here tonight. Does anybody want a touch from the man? Does anybody want a touch from Jesus? Is anyone tired of what their situation has said? Is there anyone who is sick and tired of the same problem attacking you? Is there anyone who is tired of affliction? Is there anyone who is tired of affirmity? Is there anyone? Maybe I'm just by myself. But we know the man can change your situation. He can, he can change your past and he can redirect your future. If you know that man, things can change. If you're glad to know the man, why not with lifted hands and a shout unto God, you thank him. What an honor it is to know you, Jesus. What an honor it is to fellowship in your name. Come on, what an honor it is to know a man that heals the blind. What an honor it is to know the man that heals the infirmity. What an honor it is to know the man that can cure addiction. What an honor it is to know a man. Don't worry, 
Here in a few minutes, I want you to start getting ready now. We're going to praise God and we're going to let Him move as He wants to move. We're going to let the supernatural work and we're going to continue what God did in this Sunday morning service. But let me get where God wants us to go. Is that all right? John 5 and 8. After the man said, sir, I have no man. And people are just marching over me to get into the pool. Jesus saith unto him. What's he say? Rise. Take up thy bed and walk. Ha! Rise. Take up thy bed and walk. Rise. 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 God's wanting somebody to hear this right now. You've been, you've been dealing with something for far too long. And God is telling you to rise. Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. And took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Jesus didn't need to hear any more from the lame man. He didn't have any more questions for him. He didn't have and he didn't need any more excuses. All he had to do was tell the man to rise. Somebody at the top of your lungs with a shout yell that word rise. Let it rise in the house. Let there be an anointment of rise. Let there be a spirit of rise. Let there be a house of rise right now. The fact that Jesus told this man to take up his bed and walk. This would indicate that the man slept at the pool. This would indicate that the man made his residency at the pool. The pool of Bethesda had become his house. Because if he had had a man, he would have been able to go back to his house. If he had had somebody... They could have brought him to the pool every day and taken him back every night. But for this man, his infirmity had become his residency. There's somebody here that the enemy is trying to tell you. That fear has become your house. That depression has become your house. That shame has become your house. That fear and and anger and anxiety, that addictions has become your place of residency. That your disease has become your residency. That you'll just have to sleep with your depression. That every day you'll just have to live with your fear. That you just got to live with your anger. But when the man came around, Jesus said, you don't have to live with this anymore. You don't have to sleep with this anymore. You don't have to reside at the pool anymore. You don't have to sleep with the sick anymore. Fear, you're done. Depression, you're done. Infirmity, you're done. Cancer, you're done. Diabetes, you're done. Arthritis, you're done. Offense, you're done. Church, it's time to take up your bed and walk. It's time to take up... Hey, it's time to rise up out of infirmity. It's time to rise up out of your sickness. Take up your bed and walk. Take up your bed and march on, young warrior.
Is there anybody ready to declare their freedom in the house tonight? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm way off base, and if I am, Pastor will tell me later. But I got one question. I'm wondering if there is a group of people that will decide for yourselves that chapter 4 is not enough. That healing is not enough. That miracles are not enough. That unveiling is not enough. That chapter 5 has your name written on it. That chapter... That chapter 5 has my name written on it. It doesn't have to say a certain man. It can say David was at the pool. It can say David was afflicted. It can put your name in it. It can say that Grace was afflicted. It can say that Mariah was afflicted. It can say that Pastor Dylan was afflicted. But let me tell you, chapter 5 ends in a different way than chapter 4 ends. If you're ready for a move of God, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Music, go ahead and make your way. We're going to prepare for the shift. We're going to prepare for the moving. We're going to prepare ourselves. It might not happen tonight, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to prepare for it. It might not happen in this service. It might not happen tonight. Your healing might not happen tonight. Maybe you got to wait a couple more days. Maybe you got to wait a couple more hours. But let me tell you, I'm going to prepare for it. Somebody with a shout, lift up your voices right now and prepare yourself for what's coming next. Prepare yourself. Oh, there's going to be a praise in the house. you church not everybody is going to like seeing you made whole not everybody's going to like seeing you healed for it says in John chapter 5 and verse number 10 the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured it is the Sabbath day it ain't lawful for you to be having your bed it ain't lawful for you to be carrying your bed on the Sabbath They didn't care that he'd been healed. They didn't care that his body had been made whole. They were too worried about him upholding the law. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be acting like that. <laughs> who told you that it was okay for you to walk around with that look on your face? Who was, it, who, who was it that told you it was okay to have an essence of victory around you? Don't you know that it's unlawful for you to be carrying your bed on the Sabbath? You see, you begin to act differently. The religious people are going to notice. When you begin to act like you're whole, the Pharisees are going to notice. They didn't say anything about the lame man being able to walk again. They were too mad that he was acting unlawfully. But let me tell you, church, you do not need the approval of men when God has redeemed you. I don't care 
what those around me say. My praise is going to act for it anyway. My praise is enough. My shout. Somebody needs to take up your bed. Somebody needs to take up your bed and rise. One more second. But look at the man's response to the Pharisees. When they said, who told you it was okay to carry your bed on the Sabbath? He answered them, he that made me whole was the same. He that made me whole was the same that told me to take my bed up and rise. I'll tell you why I'm acting this way. I'll tell you why I'm carrying my bed. I'll tell you why I'm carrying my praise. It's because there came a moment that Jesus walked in. For 38 years I've been praying. For years I've been seeking. I have no man and I'm all alone. But one day when I was by myself. One day when I was by myself at the pool of Bethesda. When it finally looked like it wasn't going to happen. When I thought I was on my last day. When I thought it was all over. When I thought my story had been written. There came a moment when the man came around. Come on. There's going to be a moment of praise. The doctors told my mom. You got a lung cancer and it don't look good. The type of lung cancer that she had. She was given five to seven months. That was two years ago. And yet here she is. You're wondering why I'm taking up my bed. It's cause for this time. I look at people like Brother John, who the doctor said it would be easier for me to tell you where cancer isn't in your body. That was two years ago. Tell me what I can and cannot do, man. Because God has healed this body. God has redeemed me. God has made me whole. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.